to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome to another episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, Powered by Mercury Marine and shocked to life by Reliant Lithium Batteries. I am David Shong, and this week, I ain't got no Marshall or co-angler in the boat, as I am riding solo this week. Uh, KG, he's off getting ready for the Toyota Series Central Division on Gunnersville. So I know that this year, uh, one of his big goals is to hopefully try to get uh, make that uh, qualify for the All-Americans, so uh, I hope that you guys, along with me, are all wishing KG the best of luck as he works towards that goal. But uh, since I'm the one driving the boat today, uh, I guess we'll change things up a little bit uh, up a little bit here today, just rearranging the show a bit. Yeah, I guess because you know, I guess since I'm the only one here, I get to mess things up a bit, but and and no one to yell at me for it. But uh, I guess we'll start with the news and notes section of the show. Uh, First thing up is the Bass Pro Tour. They're fishing on the Kissimmee chain as we record this. Um, as of this recording, two days of competition have um, have been completed. The first day for Group A and first day for Group B. Uh, but leading Group A after one day of fishing uh, in first place is Fletcher Shryock with 23 pounds and 6 ounces. Jeff Sprague is currently sitting in second with 20 pounds, 4 ounces. And Third place is Jeremy Lawyer with 1909. Uh, day, let's see here, for Group B, leading that group uh, after one day of fishing is uh, Jersey Boy Adrian Avina with 2605. Randy Owl has, is in second, excuse me, with 23 pounds and 14 ounces. And third place is uh, sitting, in, I'm sorry, sitting in third place is Jacob Wheeler with 19 pounds and two ounces. And for those that are looking for that, uh, that, that, that may not be aware and, and that are used to the way how the Bass Pro Tour was before, uh, they switched up to a five fish or the best of five fish limit here instead of a, you know, cumulative uh, weight of of a minimum weight uh, requirement. So the weights are the results so far. That's all based off the best five, uh, best five fish for the whole creel for that day. Um, so as you guys may be releasing to this day two of group A, we should be getting started, but uh, good luck to those guys as they fish on the Kissimmee chain. Um, second part of the news here, uh, also with this whole Florida theme, uh, the elite series, they start off this coming Thursday, February 16th on Lake Okeechobee. Um, again, uh, they've got a few new guys, uh, returning or a few old guys, not old, but I guess some returning, uh, pros you've got, uh, Bradley Holman returning, but you also have, uh, uh, one of the legends of the sport, Larry Nixon, also returning as well. But those guys do start off their season this Thursday on Okeechobee. Spirit Point Hooks also adds former Angler of the Year Scott Canterbury to the pro staff. So congratulations, Scott. And this past weekend was a Super Bowl. Uh, 
I was actually at the Chicago Auto Show checking out cars because that's one of my also one of my big uh, passions is automobiles and stuff like that. So I didn't get to catch that game as much. I only caught like, the last few minutes of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, hoping the Eagles would pull out the win there. But uh, in the end, the Chiefs ended up uh, coming back to take the win there. But so congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs and to all those that were uh, cheering those guys on. Uh, but. With this whole Super Bowl talk, uh, I guess you could say the Super Bowl <laughs> of of NASCAR is this coming weekend as well, and that's the Daytona 500. Uh, I've definitely started uh, the last few years. I've gotten more and more into uh, NASCAR, especially on the Cup side. Um, still not my, uh, you know. Again, if I had to rank different uh, different uh, terms. Uh, tiers or different motorsport forms out there uh definitely not my in the top two to top three but it's definitely one that i one of the ones i definitely still keep in uh in touch with and that's the nascar cup series there but again the daytona 500 is this weekend and i'll be definitely cheering for team toyota uh driver uh, Martin Truex, uh, again, he won the first event that, uh, the clash uh, out on, uh, out in Los Angeles there, but definitely hoping that again, Martin Truex does uh, well and takes the win, uh, just to hopefully do a reversal of how things have played out for the Toyota guys and for Martin Truex Jr. uh, uh with the twist to the new cars last year, but definitely good luck day, uh, good luck, uh, Martin, uh, at Daytona there. Uh, but with all this talk about, you know, Florida, 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 uh, I'll be right back with the first winner of the MLF Invitationals, and that's Joshua Weaver, after a brief word from our partners. With so many exclusive designs and processes, no other boat is built like Ranger. It's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features, more performance, and the best value. The Ranger Fisherman Series. From bow to stern, this is results-based engineering at its best. Still building legends, one at a time. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man, join the Stray King team. All you gotta do, I want on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. Welcome to this segment of the Angler Channel Insider Podcast brought to you by Luz. Make sure you check out the two new additions to the Signature Series rods from Mark Zona, the Light Jig slash Ocho Rod and the Swim Jig Rod. Go to Luz.com and use code SAVE25. That's sorry, that's S-A-V-E-25 to get 25% off these rods and all Hypermag reels. And just like uh, my guest from last week, I've got another angler that conquered the finicky bass and waters of Florida and the very first winner of the MLF Invitationals, Mr. Joshua Weaver. Welcome to the show, Joshua, and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's been a whirlwind of the last few days, but uh, it's it's been long time, a long time trying to get it done. And uh, man, it's everything I ever dreamed about. Has it sunk in yet, you know, getting that first win or is it still like, you know, like, I don't know if it's one of those, like, you know, like, like you still, you're not sure if it's actually happened yet. Uh, it's kind of a mix right now. It, it, I, I got home and obviously, uh, you know, it, it's been a long journey with, uh, 
my dad, my wife, my family, just, just, uh, they, they've stuck by my side through thick and thin, mm-hmm. you know, the good finishes, the bad and everywhere in between. So once I got home and celebrated with them, you know, everything really started sinking in. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, the last few days were kind of, uh, just trying to recover from the week, really just the <laughs> whirlwind, the stress of, of, am I going to be able to get it done or, Am I going to choke on the final day again? And, uh, and yeah, it, it, uh, just Sunday. And then yesterday I just kind of stayed around the house and just was trying to get back things to normal. And then today it's really started to sink in on me. I've just, uh, two days of sitting in the house and catching up on text and catching up on comments on all my social medias and, uh, looking, sitting here looking at my trophy and my check, you know, it, it it's it's starting to sink in for sure. So I know I read somewhere that you know you had a dream that you get your first major win on Okeechobee, but you know, did you really think that that first win would happen not too far from home in Florida, or would you thought that you know with the different venues that uh, you guys traveled to that it might have happened somewhere else? Well, you know, I, I really did have a dream. Uh, I can't even tell you the day when it happened. It was a long time ago. Uh, okay. That, that my first win would happen at Okeechobee, you know, and, and then, uh, and then we went to Seminole quite a few, like, I think in 2019, I believe it was. And, you know, I, I call Seminole my home lake, even though I'm about two hours away. So I was like, well, maybe it was just in Florida slash Georgia that I would win one. And, uh, <laughs> top, I, I thought, I thought I might have a shot there. Obviously, Brian Latimer won, um, there, another, another favorite pro, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to finally get the win on Okeechobee. Okeechobee's been uh, such a special place to me. I've I finished second there, and I've got two other top tens there in, in events. So uh, I started my career there as a co-angler, and I had a top ten. And my first ever tour event as a pro, my rookie season was there, and I top ten then too. So okay. it's definitely pretty cool to see things come full circle on Okeechobee. I, I spent quite a lot of time down there. I've got some very good friends around the Okeechobee area, Cluiston area. So it was, it was really special to uh, celebrate with them and, uh, and just, and bring home the, bring home the win. We know it's fishing and, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, no matter if you're favored or not, but, you know, did you, did you go into this event? I mean, again, you mentioned that you've had a uh, pretty good success on Okeechobee, but going into this first event of the year, did you go in thinking that you had a strong chance or was it just, Hey, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Cause again, it is fishing and it's fishing in Florida in the early part of the year. I love fishing in Florida in general. Florida has been really, really good to me in my career. I've made a lot of money in Florida. Um, so anytime we're going to Florida, I know I can kind of fish my strength. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know, coming into Okeechobee, Okeechobee has changed a exponential amount since we had our last few events there that I did well in, you know, we've been there either once or twice, um, in the last few years and I've not done good at all. I haven't even cashed a check. So I went from, you know, being in the top 10, almost every event I'd ever fished there to two missed, missed checks in a row. And uh, just for the simple fact of the hurricanes and the weather and, you know, them changing the lake levels, it has changed that place unbelievably. Um, okay. You know, some areas are completely wiped off the map. Uh, whenever I finished second in that Toyota series um, down there and uh, weighed in my other 30-pound bag down there, 
uh, it was all on, in the south on the hayfields. And I went, I always go to the exact dot where I caught them. Um, every year I would go down there just to relive the memory. And uh, whenever I went down there this year, it is literally like a mile and a half from any stitch of grass. It's just mm-hmm. in the middle of the lake. So it's, it's kind of sad to see the way the lakes went. And uh, I actually told my dad going down there this year that I was completely going to gonna fish different than, than uh, I, I'm accustomed to down there. I was actually going into the event knowing that we were going to have some bad weather in practice and, uh, and that the that it was going to be a tough event that I was just going in kind of backing up and punting a little bit, just going to try to fish for a check, not really fish for the win. Um, okay. Obviously, you know, you want to win, but I, I was just going in there to try to get the season off started off in the right direction. You know, you don't want to have a bomb to start out the year. And so I went down there and, you know, I, pr- I practiced a lot in the rim canals and stuff like that. Cause we had terrible weather the first two days of practice. We had like 25, 30 mile an hour winds the first day. And then it was raining with 15 to 20 mile an hour winds the second day. So not the best conditions to be finding fish in. And after the first two days of practice, I was basically on nothing. I had three bites the first day and three bites the second day. And I told my buddies that I'll stay with. I'm like, man, I'm not on anything. You know, it's, 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 this isn't going to be a good week. And, uh, and then the third day I kind of, kind of found the area that, that I ended up catching them in. I only had two bites in there. It was two different areas and I had one bite in the other, uh, where actually I caught the 30 pound bag. And then, uh, and then I had a couple bites punching out from there, um, punching Heisen mats. And then the other area, I just caught one, two and a half pounder in, but I saw shiner fishermen, um, about a hundred yards from where I ended up catching them that were catching catching them one cast after another. So I knew that there were females pulling in there and uh, just looking at the extended weather forecast, you know, we were coming off of a little cold snap, a uh, full moon, uh, and it was going to be a warming trend. And in Florida, for some reason, those fish love a cold snap, um, followed by a warming trend. That time of year, following a full moon, I knew that the tournament was going to be a lot better than practice was. And boy, was that it. it just, it seemed to, Things all came together during the tournament. You know, I really didn't have much going for practice, so I was fishing with an open mind. Um, and uh, day one, you know, I, I caught a six-pounder early, really quick. Actually, where I caught the seven and the eight-pounder on the final day it was the same place I caught six-pounder the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I figured them out late in the afternoon, kind of what they were really keying in on. And um, I actually lost two good ones and one real big one. So I should have had, you know, probably low twenties the first day and, uh, came in with 14 pounds, 14 ounces or something like that. And was getting my teeth kicked in, you know, after the practice, I was like, man, I'll be, you know, 30 or 40th place and I'll be sitting good for a check to move into the, the next day. And I came in, I believe I was in like 66th or 70th place, something way down there. I had a check. 61st. Right. And, uh, and, okay. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I was like, all right, well, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to land them tomorrow. And I knew if I, and I actually t- told my dad, I said, if I land everything, I get to bite, I'll have a good tournament. And, uh, man, I started out in the same area that I started the first day and only had, only had two, two fish, I believe two or three small keepers. And I was like, man, what, what's going on? And I ran over to the, to the other area and pulled up. And as soon as I pulled up, uh, uh I caught a three and a half pounder. I was like, all right, well, this is pointing me in the right direction. You know, that's a good solid fish. And, uh, 
shortly after that I caught a six and uh and then like five casts later I caught another six I'm like all right well I think I got enough to <laughs> go fish tomorrow I'm, I'm getting close to it you know I was knocking on the 20 pound door at that point and uh I ran up and I had four fish at the time and I uh, ran up to uh, some flipping fish where I knew I could catch my fifth fish because I always fish better with a limit no matter what the size is. And uh ran up there, caught my fifth fish, and I was like, I'm going to go back and hit that stretch where I caught those two six-pounders. And I pull up, and I'm fishing, fishing, fishing. And uh I'm like, man, that those uh those reeds right there with those lily pads, um, they look really good, just instinctual fishing. And I picked a swim jig up and fired over there. And made it, that swim jig made about five yards and came over a lily pad. And uh, I had an eight pounder jump over the lily pad and come <laughs> down on the swim jig and eat it coming down. And I caught him. And when I caught him, I was like, holy cow, like today is just an amazing day, you know. But I still had a fish like a pound and a half fish in the live well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if I can just get rid of him with like a three pounder, you know, I'll be sitting pretty. I'll have mid 20s. Um, you know, this will be this will be a great day, and uh, and then literally maybe ten casts later, I called another six pounder, and I'm like freaking out at this point. I'm like, holy cow, I'm getting close to that upper twenty mark now. Like this is, I'm going to be in the top ten. You know, probably getting close to the top ten at this point. So I was <laughs> like, well, I'm going to start making my way back to back to Cluiston, and uh, I just decided to whip in there uh, to where I called them the first morning and lost them and i was like i'm gonna ease through here just real quick and and make sure i get back to the ramp in plenty of time because the wind was starting to pick up a little bit and uh i i pulled up and my buddy my travel one of my travel partners nick hatfield was in there and i said man he goes i've got a i've got a good bag i said man i've got a really good bag and my smallest fish is a three six and if i can get rid of him (laughs) with another five or six pounder you know i'll have i'll have be knocking on the door on 30 pounds and I, about as soon as that came out of my mouth, I set the hook, and uh, it was a six, another six-pounder. So I had four six-pounders that all of them literally looked identical, and <laughs> one in the seven-and-a-half, eight-pound range. And uh, so I said, man, I'm, I can't, I'm headed to the trailer. And uh, I, I knew I was close to 30, um, didn't know exactly how much. I quit weighing them after I weighed those two sixes and that three-and-a-half-pounder. Um, so I, I knew I was getting close to 30, um, but definitely, definitely didn't know the exact number. So when I came in and, uh, put them on the scales, it was, it was quite a surprise. What time on day two, did you call it a day then? Cause it sounds like, you know, um, I mean, you say you came in early, but did it, was it fairly early or did you just give yourself a cushion knowing that, you know, uh, and just, a, you know, a decent sized cushion knowing that you had a big bag and you just want to make sure that your fish, uh, survived the trip back to those, uh, to the weigh-in stage. So I, I was, I left, uh, I was doing the first, I was doing both days actually at 345. So I left, um, the Okeechobee area when I had upper twenties, I left around maybe one thirty, okay. Um, and, and then, uh, I stopped in and caught that last six pounder and I left there at about two o'clock and I actually ran, I, I hooked in the Harney pond and ran the, ran the rim ditch all the way back running about 40 or 50 miles an hour. It's a good cruise in whenever you do that. So I ended up not getting back in until about three. Um, so I oh, checked wow. in about 45 minutes early, but I just, uh, I just cruised in, didn't want to beat my fish up, stopped and checked on them a few times, you know, putting TH Marine G juice on them, 
just making sure, you know, when you have a bag like that, the last thing you want to do is have a dead fish. So yep. uh, I, I got all the way in, got checked in, and, and once I started pulling them out, uh, I had a few people. I walked up, and uh, I said, man, I think I got close to 30, and I think I had six or seven people around the boat when I pulled them out. And uh, they were like, I think you got over 30. <laughs> and then obviously when I dumped them in the dumped them in the basket up there before I took them on stage, the, the guy looked at me and goes, "That's definitely over 30. <laughs> so uh, whenever whenever you hear that, it's a good sign. I just didn't know. Like I said, I weighed those two six pounders, and I didn't know what the other ones were. I didn't know if they were five pounders or six pounders. And I always like to undershoot my fish. Sure. I don't I don't want to be the guy that says I got 30 pounds and come in with 25 pounds. Um, so. But uh, I knew that whenever I kept looking in the live well, I'm like, dang, those other four are all the exact same size. So uh, I knew I knew I was going to be close, but I, I didn't know uh, I didn't know how much. How many fish did you catch on day two? I caught quite a few fish. I only caught six quality fish, so that was kind of okay. why I was concerned going into the final day. You know, I caught um, obviously the five that I weighed in, and then that three six, and that was the only other uh, decent fish I caught. I caught quite a few, you know, in the two and a half pound range, um, two or really pound and three quarter to two and a half pound range. Uh, but I, I, I told I told my dad, you know, I, I'm around the big ones. They're coming in this this weather. They're just going to keep coming in, and uh, and so it was kind of wild on the final day. You know, I. I opted not to start where I caught all those fish because it was a pretty small area and I pounded it pretty hard the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm not, not going to start there. And the area that I caught them day one uh, in and caught that six pounder in, um, it was, I knew it was uh, like a nine to 11 bite window um, okay. the second day. And uh, that was kind of when I, when I was catching all of mine, you know, re- well, I guess really from like 10 to 1230-ish. Um, and so, uh, so whenever I, I was like, well, I'm going to start in here and, and see what I can do. And as soon as I pulled in there, I, I, I think I caught like a three pounder, maybe one, I think two, three pounders pretty quick. And then I caught that six ten and a, a seven eleven, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I was, whenever I caught those two, I was like, man, I'm going to stay in here a little longer than I have been. Uh, cause you know, whenever you land two like that on championship day, you just kind of, you get that feeling in the back of your mind, like God might be, God might be blessing me with uh, today's the day. Don't screw it up type deal. (laughs) So uh, so I was like, uh, all right, well, I'm going to stay in here and ended up, you know, I haven't seen many three pounders all week. And I said it multiple times on, on camera that uh, I haven't seen many three pounders. It's either like a two pounder or like a five, six plus pounder. And, and dang it, that day I caught like seven between three and three and a half pounds, which I wasn't complaining at all. Those are excellent limit filler fish, especially on Okeechobee, as tough as this one fishing. So, uh, but knowing that Michael Neal, you know, those guys were all behind me. I was kind of like, man, Michael's a closer. And, yep. <laughs> and, and, and Scrump told me that, you know, he laid off of him the first day. I heard him doing an interview with somebody that morning. He was like, you know, I left him biting. So, you know, obviously we not knowing what the other angler has and, uh, you know, height who's obviously won a tournament down there and he's won multiple events. So he's a closer as well. And, uh, me who's done nothing but finish second and then have, have, <laughs> you know, a fair share of top tens. I'm like, man, I'm, I can't let off the gas. I got to keep, keep catching them. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, I fished to the very last minute. I left 45 minutes left to come in. Um, so I, I knew I was going to get in a little early because I knew I was weighing them that final day. And uh, I, I knew what I had, what the scale said I had. And I thought once I got over 24 pounds that uh, that would give me a legitimate shot that, you know, they could still catch them decent and I still have a shot at winning. Um, I knew if somebody else caught a 30 pound bag, like I did the day before that I wouldn't have enough, but I was like, man, I, I'm not going to risk it. So I, I, I left my area at about two o'clock. Um, we were doing it three that final day. So I got in at about, uh, I believe I got in at like two thirty-five or two forty-five or something like that. So mm-hmm. I got in a little bit, a little bit ahead of schedule, but like I said, I didn't want to have any dead fish penalties. The wind was starting to get up a little bit. Um, so I didn't want to beat the fish up running in or anything. And, you know, whenever, whenever you're sitting there and you get more and more and more camera, camera boats coming and spectators coming, you know, you know, you're doing something right. So I didn't know that I had it won by any means, especially with us only having seven camera boats and a lot of people not, uh, not reporting. But uh, I knew that I had a legitimate shot at it, and I was starting to get a little nervous. So when that when that time hit, I, I believe I can't remember if I left at two or two fifteen, whatever it was. I told my buddy Nick that was in there with me. He followed me back. I said, as soon as the clock hits, whatever time, I, I told him. I said, I'm heading back in. Um, so I, I, I cruised in at about fifty fifty five miles an hour, took it easy on the fish. And, made it into weigh in with plenty of time to spare and then the waiting game began you know the top <laughs> 10 they, they they make us wait till the last last few to weigh in and so i sat in my boat uh, and luckily i had a, i had a, a a bunch of friends down there um you know obviously the elite series is down there this week and i've got a lot of great elite series buddies um chris and Corey johnson they we've yep. traveled together in the past and they're they're great friends of mine. They came and they were all hanging out with me in the boat. And obviously some other, my clueless and friends, um, the McMillans and all those people, they were, they were all there. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was pretty special. So what was it? So looking at day two and going into day three, like I, I, last week we had, um, Toyota series winner, uh, Kenny Steverson on. And, uh, and again, you know, we all know how, uh, just a little bit of a coat snap can uh, can really affect these Florida fish. Was that ever in the back of your mind? Like, I, I don't know how much of a coat front it really takes to really, really screw up these fish, but like going into day three, knowing that you were within a, a roughly about a pound to first place and really within shot of taking that win, was whether, did that ever play in the back of your mind on day three that, you know, that, that like, you know, I mean, again, you know, I'm pretty sure you're paying attention to the, the weather on, uh, the night of day two, but did that ever sit in the back of your mind knowing that, you know, that weather could throw a big wrench into how things may ideally want to play out for you? Man, it really did. And just, just for the simple fact of, as I've been in the position to win um, a few times, especially in Florida and uh, Florida cold snaps have cost me, I'm going to say have cost me a win already in my career. You know, if, if the weather would have, if the weather would have stayed warm another day or, or something like that. And a couple of these events, I really think I could have blown it out. Um, especially the event that I finished second in the Toyota series, uh, back in, in 2017, I believe it was that I weighed in that 32 pounds, 15 ounces on day two and should have had 30 pounds the first day, man, I was on something special that day. I was catching them all on a frog 
And uh, I didn't even look at the weather going into the final day. And I let off of the fish. I quit fishing at about nine o'clock on day two when I had 32. I mean, you can't get much better than 32. But if I would have looked at the weather and known what I know now, I probably would have kept pressing it because we had a cold front. It got down into like the 40s that night and dropped oh, wow. the water temperature about 10 degrees. So that absolutely killed that bite. So just from the fact that I've been doing it for as long as I have, you live and make mistakes and you learn from them. So that was definitely one of those mistakes um, that, you know, I was definitely looking at the extended forecast, knew that we were still on a warming trend all week. And uh, it was funny. Jody White actually came up to me uh, after day two and he goes, I'm on you all day tomorrow because there's not a cold front coming in. And I'm looking to see you catch 30 pounds again because he followed me all day on the final day of that Toyota. Uh, he was like, I, I'm, I'm coming to follow you all day. I want to see it, see it happen. And, uh, so he, he knew that, uh, that with that cold snap not coming in, it was going to be a special day. Obviously you never know what's going to happen, but, uh, I was, I had, I, I'll put it to you this way. I had jitters going into the final day just because, you know, you don't get an opportunity to win much. You know, I've had I've had a fair share of opportunities to win, you know, put myself in contention where if I, I could have won, you know, if things went my way and uh, it just it wasn't in the cards at the time. Um, so whenever you get your shot to potentially make a run at winning, you know, you got to take advantage of it, whether yeah. it be, you know, making a gamble of some sort or another or something like that. And so that was it, it definitely it definitely plays into your mind. You know, we. You know, you do this long enough, you're like, all right, got a shot to win. I'm going to take advantage of it. I want to go back to like uh, day one, because I know that we talked about you. You finished, uh, you were at 61st. Uh, I know David Walker at 2801. You were at, yeah, 1412. So, I mean, again, it's a three-day event. So you still got, you know, some time and and some opportunities to hopefully make up ground. But uh, did you feel that again? I guess even talking, uh, as you mentioned earlier too, with your, uh, with your history, it seemed like you said that you were approaching this. You know, were the areas that you fished were, were they all new areas for the most part for you? And did you feel that they would hold up and produce the quality of fish to uh, help you move up from day one to day two and eventually get the win? Uh, they were kind of areas that I had fished all week, so. But, you know, just looking at the weather, you know, the weather and, and coming off of full moon, that was the biggest factor. Um, it was kind of a perfect storm at Okeechobee, honestly. That okay. place has been, you know, pretty tough the last few years just because of the lack of grass, the lack of clean water recently. You know, the hurricanes have really put a hurting on that place. Um, but, you know, it was a perfect storm for us this, this past week, you know, with the, with the weather, warming trend, and the moon. I knew that once you got around them, that you were going to be getting better and better every day, you know, as far as you were going to have fish coming in, new fish coming in overnight, new fish coming in by the hour, just because they're, those Florida fish do not like dirty water. They're not going to pull up on a bank that, that, that has dirty water and no grass. So if you were around that clear water area, even if you weren't catching catching big ones you were going to be catching new fish and they were going to be coming to you every day you know you always you always hear about these people that uh that say i've got them coming to me well that was just what i had i just had them coming to me every day and didn't know 
that I was around what I was around, honestly. I mean, I was going in, like I told you, I was going into the tournament, especially after my practice, you know, kind of backing up and punting, so to say, <laughs> just to try to get a check out of it. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you know, once you, you know, you turn it around on day two, you know, obviously that punt goes into a Hail Mary type deal. Like, <laughs> all right, I got to keep, I got to keep the drive going now. So. So based on sounds like from what you're saying, do you, a lot of the fish you were catching were pre-spawn or were spawning fish also a big part of your of what you were targeting during the tournament days? A lot of them were a lot of them were pre-spawn, um, and, and I think a lot of them were were staging to push okay. even further back from where I was at. Oh, wow. uh, the thirty-pound bag, I, I, I think a couple of them could have been spawning. You know, obviously, it, the shallow as Okeechobee is, they could be spawning anywhere around where I was fishing because I was just targeting, you know, isolated reeds and isolated lily pads. And uh, so, obviously, you know, they could have been around anywhere spawning, but I really think um, a few of them could have been spawning, but I, I really think the probably 60 or 70% of them were just stopping there um and and pushing further back to spawn uh just just in a little bit shallower water um the the biggest key for me uh fishing the area that i was was uh even when we fit filmed uh day four you know the winning ways deal for for mlf you know jody and rob matsura were were amazed at how many fish were blowing up in there there was so much bait holding those fish in there so I think they were pulling in and really feeding up one last time before they made their final push a little bit okay. further in to spawn. So the, there was just bait everywhere. The shiner fishermen were everywhere in there. So they knew that they were in there. Um, and those fish were just feeding up one, one last couple of days before they pushed back a little bit further. And, uh, it, and the only reason that I think that, you know, obviously fishermen like to think they're right just so it helps their mentality. But, um, Oh man, what's his name? Guy from uh, guy from Illinois, I believe. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Had twenty six, fifteen, or fourteen on the final day. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Weisenberger. He was okay. fishing inside of me about three hundred yards. So that tells me that you know some a lot of the fish that maybe I didn't catch pushed past me and were already at him on the final day. So. Okay. You know, it was it was just one of those deals where they were just all around, you know, on top of me and pushing even further back. Talk about the uh, baits and the presentations that you used to get this win. Yeah, you know, I, I've got to give a huge shout out to uh, one of my travel partners, Miles Howe, because uh, he was, uh, <laughs> I wasn't getting many bites at all in practice and I had a white chatterbait and, and a, a green pumpkin and and that was about it. And he was like, man, I'm getting some bites on a black and blue. And I was like, really? I didn't, I had, I had some half ounce black and blues. He was like, yeah, I'm throwing a three eighths black and blue with a, just a green pumpkin trailer. And I was like, all right. So I went by the marina that night and bought me a few black and blue, uh, three eighths ounce chatterbaits. And, uh, I put the Guggen new, uh, happy trailer on the back, just in green pumpkin. And it was something about that black and blue green pumpkin. You know, that's a great color down there um, in Florida in general. But for some reason that week, it was like lights out. They wanted that over anything else you presented to them. Because there was a lot of other guys in that area that didn't do well at all. And some that did well doing other things. But I definitely was fishing around 
some other great anglers that, you know, are, are just as good, if not better than I am. And, uh, you know, it was just the bait that I had that they wanted more that week. Why? Yeah. You mentioned you, cause you were throwing a half ounce, obviously different color, but do you feel like, how much do you feel that different in, in, I guess a, an eighth of an ounce, did that play that significant amount of, of a difference besides the color uh, of the chatterbait there? Uh, I definitely think it did because that half ounce chatterbait was getting a little bit deeper. Um, the area I was fishing, obviously I was fishing around some pads and some reeds, but also there was, um, also there was some hydrilla and eelgrass mixed in there around and it was really, really thick in some areas. And I Hmm. think that, uh, I think that that half ounce was just getting a little bit too deep for them. Um, and, uh, so I had to switch and switch into that, uh, switching to that three eighths ounce was keeping it over, you know, not letting it get bogged down in the, in the reeds or in the hydrilla and the eelgrass. And I definitely think that was, that was a, a big part and a big part in getting some extra bites over that half ounce. How, how much did the swimjig come into play? Was it just kind of a cleanup thing or was it like a, you know, 90% chatterbait, uh, you know, bladed jig type thing. And maybe just, just a swimjig here and there based on the conditions or yeah. But how much did that swimjig come into play? So I, I, I like to keep a deck full of rods on my boat at all times um, just because I like to, you know, if if I come across something that, you know, even say I haven't fished it for, if, for instance, in Florida, you know, I, I tossed the spook around a good bit. I punched a good bit on day one and even punched a good bit, you know, just throughout the tournament if I came upon a mat that looked really good. But you never know when you might flip in one and catch a good one. Um, or just anything that comes across your mind. I like to fish real free minded. Um, so, um, but that swim jig was just on my deck and it was in a black and blue as well with a green pumpkin trailer and, uh, only caught one fish on it all week, but it was the big one on that. It it was the big one on that day too. Um, that, that, that anchored that bag. And I really wish I'd have waited in. I think I would have won big fish. I don't know how big it was, but (laughs) it was definitely close to eight pounds. But whenever you drop, 31 pounds on the scale, you know, all you can think about your head's just spinning and I was wanting to get pictures and all that stuff. So I didn't even think about that. So I think I, I left a grand on the table there, but, uh, you're welcome, Brian, a Latimer, if you're listening, to that, <laughs> listening to this. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I completely forgot about that, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was the only fish I caught on it all week. But like I said, you know, that was one of those deals where it was just a, a scenario that looked good. And I had the rod on the deck and I was able to capitalize on that quick decision. And it was definitely a helpful one. So I I noticed that, you know, you threw moving baits, which is something I like to throw a bit, but, uh, compared to even uh, some of the presentations that that a lot of people were using last week in the Toyota series on the Harris chain there, no, no stick baits. So why, you know, you mentioned punching, but why no Senko? Why no stick worms uh, for you this particular week? Man, I'll be honest with you. I absolutely despise slow fishing. <laughs> I'm a power fisherman just by okay. trade. And obviously I've had to learn to slow down and, and throw your drop shots and your Senkos and stuff like that over the years. But uh, I didn't have, I don't even, I believe I might've had one on the deck. I don't even know if I made a cast with it during the tournament. <laughs> uh, I absolutely despise doing it. And I would rather nail my hands to a board then sit there and, and dead stick a Cinco. And, and it's funny, a couple of the guys I travel with are really, really good at doing it and they catch a lot of fish on it. 
but I just can't I can't sit there and throw a throw a cinco at something and just sit there and hold it for thirty seconds at a time before you even move it. Like that just makes me cringe even thinking about it. <laughs> uh, I've got to, I feel like my best, I mean, guys got to fish their strength. Um, and, and that's one thing I've kind of learned, you know, when, whenever you come across an event that you can fish your strength in, you know, you, I feel like you have to, to, uh, present your, uh, yourself a shot at winning. And, uh, I knew, I know, and that's why I love Florida fishing because I can fish how I like, I can power fish and I can just burn, burn, burn baits, you know, cast and wind and do whatever I want enough and i'm going to run into five fish a day and uh you know that that was kind of my game plan going down there obviously i punched some on day one and a little bit on day two um and didn't didn't uh i don't even know if i I picked up my flipping rod any on day three um it was all just strictly the swim uh the chatterbait excuse me um all day and and uh just kept that in my hand once once i caught those two big ones early i knew i was like all right well this i'm gonna stick this in my hand lock it in my hand and uh and just go with it and uh it was it was it was just uh strictly the the chatterbait on the final day which was perfectly fine with me now i i know you probably don't want to move away to, uh, right away yet from this win but two weeks from now you got clarksville which is again in, in your home state there how yeah what are you looking forward to with uh the clarksville event there Man, I'll be honest with you. Whenever, whenever the schedule came out, just the schedule in general for us this year, I looked at it and was like, Oh man. I mean, you know, this year we don't really have any, 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 you know, big smallmouth tournaments or anything like that. Um, and I was really excited about, you know, a guy, a shallow water fisherman like myself can fish his strength all year and, uh, and, and just, and just do what he does best, you know, beat the bank, you know, within a cast or two of the bank fishing shallow cover fishing anything shallow and clark's hill was one that i had kind of circled on the calendar you know okay. obviously you know some of the some of the events you look forward to the most is the ones you do the worst in and, and <laughs> yeah. vice versa but man i'll be honest with you I, i've i've been over to clark's hill for about i've only fished there for about seven or eight days um in, in my whole life but I know I've got had a lot of friends that have fished over there and done well in big tournaments, um, and and just talking with them before it went off limits, uh, they gave me some good pointers, and uh, you know just them reiterating that you know some of my mentors that have grown up fishing that you know you can go over there and do what you do best um, and just you know keep a moving bait in your hand and do good. You know obviously there's going to be some people do good. Heck, it might even be one offshore. But I know that I can go over there and, uh, you know, lock the crankbait, lock the chatterbait, spinnerbait in my hand and, uh, you know, potentially have a shot at, you know, catching a really big bag over there. And, and uh, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we're going to try to give it, give it a back to back deal. You know, I okay. might probably go over there and, uh, finish, finish dead last now that I say that. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's, that was the tournament I was most excited about going into the year. So to get the win on the first one, um, you know, everybody always says, you know, once you get a win, you're never hungrier than you are for the next one. And, uh, I didn't think that was even possible to be uh, hungrier for a win after seven years of not having one. But let me tell you, <clears throat> the fire burns more now. And now that I see, you know, all the benefits of winning and everything like that and all the coverage it brings, you know, the fire burns more now than it ever has before. And I'm, I'm really excited that for the rest of the year and really excited that we got a quick turnaround and I can ride the, hopefully ride the momentum train into Clark's Hill. 
Okay. Besides Clark Silden, what what else do you have lined up and uh, and, and looking forward to for the rest of 2023? So as of right now, I'm not fishing anything else besides invitationals. Um, okay. This year, my main goal was to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. So I'm doing everything I can, you know, doing all the studying I can, all the pre-fishing I can, on prepping for every tournament for uh, the invitationals. Um, obviously, we got to finish in the top eight in the points to uh, qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. And so that's my uh, that's my number one goal this year. I'm I'm putting every every ounce of uh, effort I can into all sorts of preparation, um, just getting ready for every tournament we have this year. You know, obviously I'm in full full bore preparation for Clark's Hill right now. Um, thinking a lot about Oklahoma, which is coming, uh, I believe, first uh, of April into March. So uh, yeah, just just solely focusing on 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 that that schedule this year as we get towards the end of the year uh, i might hop in a toyota series here or there just as uh uh you know every year we go up north and fish for smallmouth and i love i love fish for smallmouth so you know if i'm and I, if i'm up in that area um around a week or two prior or after and there's a toyota series around i might hop in one of those but as far as that goes just solely focusing on the the number one goal this year was to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. Um, so trying to trying to get there, and uh, that's about it. Now, last thing here, uh, I know it's not 2024 yet, but you know, with this win, you also punched your ticket to the 2024 Red Crest as well. How do you feel about being the first qualifier for that event and going up against the best that MLF has to offer? Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm extremely excited about it. You know, obviously, you know, starting back from my first of my career in, in 2016, I've fished against all pretty much all, if not, you know, 70, 80% of the, uh, of the Bass Pro Tour guys already throughout my career. So, you know, I, I've kind of proved in the past that I can compete at that level. And, uh, you know, obviously Red Crest, you know, being, being a, the, one of the biggest events in bass fishing, you know, that's super exciting. You know, we saw D- Dustin Connell win that one at Ufala, Um And, you know, it was just that was close to home and, you know, a fellow favorite pro. And that was, you know, obviously life changing for him. Um, and uh, so obviously, yeah, you know, we, we being the number one qualifier for it, that's awesome. Um, and uh, and I can't wait to get there and rub elbows with guys that that I've fished against my career and guys that I've looked looked up to since uh, since a young age. You know, it's funny. Uh, I tell guys all the all these guys I fished against these stories, and I got pictures of them at, at ramps from the time I was you know eight, ten, twelve years old. You know, you run into Chris Lane, you run into Gerald Swindle, you run into you know different fishermen, Larry Nixon throughout throughout the years. And, uh, and you have pictures of them and, and you're a kid and, and you show them a picture and you're sitting there competing against them. And it's pretty funny to see their reactions on stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm super fortunate, super blessed. Um, and, and I really can't wait for, for the Red Crest and hopefully I can, uh, knock out a qualification for the Bass Pro Tour too. So I'll be able to fish my, my, I'll be able to fish the Red Crest my first year at, at, as a Bass Pro Tour angler. Well, 
congratulations again on this win. I, like I said, I'm pretty sure you, you don't want it to move on, but I know you mentioned that, you know, the, the, the hunger burns more for the, for the next one here too. So, but congratulations again on the win on Okeechobee again, uh, making that dream come true there, but wishing you the best for the rest of 2023, uh, Joshua. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. And I uh, appreciate all support and uh, look forward to hopefully doing this interview again soon. There you have it, folks. Winner of the first MLF Invitational event and making a dream become reality or come true, Mr. Joshua Weaver. Definitely cool and awesome to hear how Josh used, uh, you know, past successes in history on Okeechobee to really factor into decisions that he made this time around, not relying on too much on previous uh, history uh, to make this win happen. But with that, we'll take another quick break and come back with more and wrap up the show. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. It's time for the final segment of the show brought to you by Trickstep. And as I've said before, if you don't have a Trickstep and you're climbing in and out of the boat the old-fashioned way, make sure you visit trickstep.com to help you look good while getting into and out of the boat. If you've got a pontoon, a ski boat, or some other type of uh, water vehicle that needs a Trickstep, stop by, check them out. They could definitely custom make one for you. Maybe they've already got one made for your particular setup as well. So again, trickstep.com to make sure that you get there are proper steps for your boat. Uh, it's time to go over some results from this past weekend. First event I've got listed here is the BFL Bama event on Lake Martin. And winning that event by an ounce. So I guess you could say it could be a, a, a fin or a claw that got spit out or whatever. But uh, that much of a difference. But Garen Warren won that event with 13 pounds and 6 ounces. The Georgia Bass Trail guys were on. I'm sorry. The. Georgia Bass Team South Division anglers were on Seminole and winning that event with 23.62 was Nicholas and Tyler. The Bass Champs East Division were fishing on Toledo Bend and it looks like Toledo Bend is still kicking out pretty big bags with just under 29 pounds with a actual 28.95 weight. The team of Mike and Nathan Mitchell took the W there. And on a wet and I guess maybe possibly cold and windy uh, Lewis Smith Lake, uh, the ABT North Division was fishing. And I know KG was working that event. Uh, but winning that event, well, again, a slightly uh, slim margin there. But the team of John Kellett and Zeke Gossett won that event with 1788. And wrapping up our last event for the results for this week, the Tennessee Team Trail were fishing Lake Cherokee. And with 1911, 
Kyle Smith and Bobby Drinnen won that event there. And then looking at some upcoming tournaments this coming weekend, the Texas Team Trails start their uh, series on Sam Rayburn. The MLF BFL uh, Bulldog Division are fishing on Lake Lanier. The Bass Shep Central Division is on Lake Travis. Our buddies at Visit Anderson uh, will be hosting the Five Alive Elite Series uh, tournament series on Lake Hartwell. And uh, finishing up this last slot here is the Alabama Bass Nation. They will be fishing on Lake Martin. Uh, If you've got results or uh, tournament schedules that you want to share with me, make sure you send them over at dshong at englishchannel.com that's d-x-i-o-n-g at englishchannel.com and i'll make sure i get them up again as i've always said before if you are sharing results it could be something as simple as the top three finishers and a simple picture of the winners share uh, send them over to me and i'll make sure i get them posted up but again that email is dshong d-x-i-o-n-g at englishchannel.com and the last thing I, I want to wrap up this show with, uh, I know we uh, went over the news and notes section uh, at the earlier part of the show here, but the last big news that was announced this past Monday, uh, and maybe for many people, um, it's not that it was an out of left field thing, but it was, it was something that probably people could see happening within the next couple of years, but definitely not in 2023 at least. But the GOAT Kevin Van Dam, he announced his retirement from the top level of fishing. So no more BPT after the 2023 season. Uh, and I know some people were speculating that he may end up making a return to the elite series at some point, which um, as a fanboy of KVD, uh, I, that would be something I would love to do is see him, uh, you know, uh, make another run for whether it's ALY or another classic uh, championship there. But uh, KVD has too much class to possibly pull something like that. Uh, but just like another Kevin, uh, uh, in this case, uh, Kevin Harvick from NASCAR on the cup side there, uh, this will be Kevin Harvick's uh, swan song. So I guess what a somewhat of a coincidence that two Kevins are going to use 2023 as their uh, last season in their respective careers. But um, being a fanboy of KVD, uh, well, my, uh, I know I didn't really get to grow up watching the stuff on TNN, stuff like that. But for me, I didn't get into the tournament stuff or the professional side following the sport on that side until the early 2000s, pretty much during the ESPN days. And Kevin was definitely one of those poster boys during that period, definitely during the period where Kevin was really, uh, uh, making a big name for himself was during that early 2000 periods. But, uh, congratulations on uh, Kevin again for all the accomplishments, all the memories and uh you know enjoyed this last season and and looking forward to what you have in store next year and the foreseeable future so with that uh, i want to thank everyone for just tuning in this week um as always make sure that you support those that help uh, make this show happen and that's supporting by our the partners and sponsors that work with us that includes ranger mercury uh, Strike King Lose, Humminbird, Minkota, Under Armour, and Sportsman's Warehouse. So until our next show and until my next cast, as, al- as we always say here, if you hear something you didn't like, don't take it personal.
Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.